What's up, guys? It's Mike from Ron with Tackle Your Personal Best. It has been a while. As oh, you yeah. Can see, we have uh, D Train back on with us. Uh, he's got Hi. some stuff he's going to bring to the table. Um, I'm, how long has it been now? It, it's been about a month and a couple of weeks. I it was going like. to say, it's been a while since we've done one of these. So, But we've just been so damn busy lately. Yeah, yeah, birthdays get in the way, holidays are coming, yeah. everything's just busy. Yeah. It's been like nine hours for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's only it's only been a couple minutes for him since he's been out in the water. So yeah. No, I'm talking about <laughs> since I did my last podcast was nine hours ago. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> I got one coming up in three hours. You did uh scuttlebutt last night, right? Correct. Yeah. I gotcha. So how was uh how was fishing today? Um I got off work a little early because, as you guys know, time change sucks, mm -hmm. and we're losing our sunlight. So I started a little early um, work today. Then I got home and got on the water by 3 o'clock. It would have been 2.45, but for the first time since I started kayaking, I made it to the gas station to get my beer and realized that I left my paddle at home. So <laughs> that was like the start of my night. And, uh, of course, beautiful day all day. As soon as I get on the kayak on the back of my truck, here comes the wind wind picked up so i'm like well shit where do i want to go so i just went out to lake zurich and i almost called it quits i paddled around for 45 minutes and didn't even get a bite i was like well this sucks wind's blowing me around the lake i just let it blow me down to four corners <clears throat> long story short caught seven and uh, number four was two pounds even so wow. it, it all finished up pretty well it was a good looking cool. fish that's for sure it looked like it was you know pretty long and healthy yeah, I thought it was a small one at first, and then, you know, as the big ones do, uh, the little ones go up. The big ones go down. Um, I've discovered that because, you know, the little ones will come out of the water and just jump and spit the hook. The big ones go down. Mm -hmm. But as the same with my four-pounder I caught two weeks ago, it went down underneath my kayak, and I started spinning circles. And I'm like, ooh, I might actually have something here. There you and, go. Um, in the middle of a TikTok live stream, pulled it in. So Very it'll nice. be a fun video. For the last, like, uh... 45 seconds i was holding back to your mom that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said um but. yeah i mean as far as us getting out i mean we've been out well, you guys went out this weekend didn't you we went out mm -hmm. this past weekend for a couple hours we went out the weekend prior to that with you mm -hmm. um, and then you and Which i was went a out slow day on that lake yeah and then mm -hmm. you and i went out prior to that that weekend so We've actually been getting some good, decent trips in lately, which is really refreshing, I'll say, especially with this weather. Being in the 60s and, and oh, the wind and everything like that, it's just it's amazing. The water um, temp was 71 tonight, and when I pulled this fish out, they felt like a can of Coke that's been in a cooler where the ice is melted, but they're still just cold enough. <laughs> I mean, they were cold <laughs> to the touch. I mean, they weren't freezing, but they were definitely – you touch them like, wow, you guys are chilly. No wonder you're being sluggish tonight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, typically uh, what I've what I've noticed is that, like you know, like you said, the small ones usually tend to stay up high, and the small ones or the big ones go down deep. Uh, and doing some research and also what I've experienced, it's it's something to do with the oxygen levels. Um, so as it gets colder and everything, they're getting more lethargic. They're going down to a more comfortable level, uh, oxygen wise, and uh during as winter goes on that's when you start pulling out those big 10 inch worms and stuff mm -hmm. like that and just sink them down to the bottom 
Yeah, I was talking about when you get them actually on the hook. It seems like the little ones are the ones who jump out of the water more, and the big ones try to go straight down into wherever they live. And so it oh, seems yeah. like a lot of times when I hook them up, um, the bigger ones tend to go straight down, where the little ones, you know, tend to jump more. At least in my experience, except for at least in the the three pounder caught last week, I didn't even know he was there until I reeled him in. Like, oh wow! And then tonight the four pound, the two pounder went straight down. But all the little ones, they always just jump and spit the damn hook. Yeah, I, that was something that I actually had experienced. Um, I've experienced that a few times where the, the larger ones, they want to dig down deep and pull you around, especially when you're on the kayak or for you, the canoe. But I caught a two-pounder this past weekend out at Seven Lakes. And, I mean, he dug. He, I, I thought he was a lot, actually a lot bigger than he really was. But, I mean, he's had some strength to him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, it's nice to know that they're nice and healthy and you know, it seems like they're starting to thrive and they're starting to move again. So, but, uh, it was actually nice to actually catch something on seven lakes. Uh, yeah. It's one of those, <laughs> it's really popular. It's heavily trafficked area and, and it's wide open. It's, but it's, it's something that's really difficult to traverse around because you either have to walk forever to get to a decent fishing spot or you're just stuck fishing where everyone else is fish and there's just no fish right there. <laughs> so, getting on the water, getting out of the kayak and getting you out to like the deep parts where there's grass and no one's touching, you were killing it. You were killing it about over there. Just little, what how many worms did you go through that one? Oh, six fish you caught, seems like. Mm, quite a few, I'd say. Yeah, it was it was it was good. He was killing it. It actually made me want it. I was I'm off. He was fishing. He didn't catch shit and you must have changed up your game because I was like, "Well, fuck, I'm ch- I'm moving too." <laughs> so I moved around the corner. He's still sitting there and by the time I got to the spot that I wanted to fish and it looked like it would be good, here he is. Re- oh, there's another one. There's another one. I'm like, well, "Damn it. I am not getting no bites over here either." So I turn around and go back and then get there and then that's when the nightmare with my tackle starts. So it's like I couldn't catch a fish if I wanted this, to. No, it's not even a nightmare with your tackle. What you ended up doing is screaming and bitching and moaning and complaining at yourself because you kept screwing up. You exactly. He puts he puts the line all together. He forgets the weight. He puts this together. He forgets a bead. He he puts on the wrong. He's he's having a bird's nest while he's trying to get stuff put together at the end of the line. It was just it was it was nuts, and he's he's screaming and hollering the entire time. <laughs> oh yeah, I was pissed. So I get, well, the wife's like, well, we only got thirty minutes, and that's when I'm like, oh, hurry up, hurry up, tie this knot. Oh, fuck, just the wait, catch Damn one it. more. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you take top heavy Betty back out, or were you guys walking? Oh out? hell yeah, oh yeah, top heavy Betty is uh, is it, it's it's working well, man. I found out if I have just enough weight in the front, I can steer. If I have too much weight in the front, it does not steer. AKA <laughs> my fat ass got in the fucking canoe and he couldn't go anywhere with it. So as soon as I got out and he actually, with Megan in it, you said it was a perfect weight, but with my big yeah. ass in there and forget it. You have to say that. She's the wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, Maybe no, to be honest. the audience what top heavy Betty is. I don't yeah. think you've talked about Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Well, so I got this, I think it's like 13-foot aluminum canoe, and it only has two seats, one on the very front mm-hmm. and one on the very back. And I'm like, you know, I can make this better. I'm always like Tim Allen on this. Like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I grinded out some old rivets, redid redid the whole center cross beams, put put your all, uh, all thread and unistrut together to make a swivel seat in the center of the canoe, but 15 inches higher than the normal seats. <laughs> so, Hence the name Top Heavy Betty. 
I'm six seven, so when I sit down on it, I am like a. I actually look like I'm sitting at a dining room table, sitting on the canoe. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it's a little wobbly, especially if I don't have anything down on the bottom of the boat. He's like but the guy perfect. who sits on top of the platform on the Carolina skiff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, what, and... was it? Is it the uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? I'm Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I almost made... got hit by a Carolina skiff the other day. On your kayak? I was, yeah, I was down it off of uh, Lake Mead, down uh, where, if you guys see my YouTube videos, one where the, the Nissan's floating in the water. I was like two feet, maybe three feet off the bank, and I was just fishing, and there was a dog leg, and I was about 30 yards from this dog leg. And these canals are supposed to be no wake zone. This guy and his wife, his wife had a full-blown uh, wino alcoholic stemware in her hand, the big ones, full of wine. They came hauling ass. They literally drifted around that corner where they slid and then went damn near right up on the bank. If I was 20 yards closer to that dog leg, they would have flattened my ass. Like I said, I was on the left side of the bank, and they're coming the opposite direction, and they literally, like they were uh, drift racing a Honda Civic. They just came sliding around that corner right at me. He saw me at the last second and cut his throttle, and he came by. He's like, yeah, 30 30 yards closer, you would have ran my ass over. Needless to say, they petered down a little ways before they finally picked up speed. Wow! <laughs> like holy shit! I mean, it was a small little Carolina skiff too, but he about he would have flattened my ass if I was any closer. Was it a tiller, or did he have a center console on it? It just—it was a small one. It's probably 14 foot. It was just a small base. It literally said Carolina skiff on the side. It was yeah. just um. No, I don't even think it was a center console because him and his wife were sitting side by side. And like I said, she had a big ass wine thing of white wine. So literally, they lived on the lake. And, <laughs> You know, she had her stemware with them, and it was probably, you know, half a bottle worth of wine in it. <laughs> when they came back the other direction later, it was gone. <laughs> She's carrying an empty glass, but Good yes, Lord. first time I've almost been taken out by one of those. Wow. I guess statistically, as much as I'm out on the water, it's going to happen sooner or later. That or alligators going to confront me, one of the two. <laughs> The last time I was ever in a canoe was when I was really young. So before having this, I was really young, probably 13. And the last time I rode that canoe, we were taking it down not too far away from you, Don, in Cape. And there's and I found this cut through the uh, the, the mangroves and the cut, uh, pepper trees that actually brought you out to the Gulf of Mexico, but no boat can hit it. Down off Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it. Yeah, they opened it up since then. They've opened it wide up, but that was before anybody actually really knew about it. Is that down off of Kismet, or is that down yeah, off of Burnstore? Kismet. Is it? It's it's burnt. There's one on Old Burnstore, and I'm trying to think. It's right next to uh, Yucatan, okay. uh, the road. Yucatan, Yucatan, yeah. Yucata, whatever. Yeah. It, it's that canal. If you're like, if you're going south, it's on the. Uh, it's just past. If you're going north, it's before Yucatan, yeah. and that canal runs, and you go straight down, and yeah, it cuts in. But I was in there paddling away. I think I had a couple of friends. We were fishing. We'd never seen this. And a gator came from the cattails on the shore, wow. went into the water, and it was massive. I got to say like eight foot. Massive gator, but I was also young. So, But the back, uh, his back, you know how it has like little ridges? Mm -hmm. it, he dove underneath the canoe, and his ridges of his back <laughs> rubbed the underneath of my <laughs> canoe. Just, <laughs> we're, like, we're going a... back. We're going there... back. There's a video on YouTube out of Louisiana, I think it is, and a guy is just paddling through the swamp, 
and he, there must have been baby gator somewhere, but off to the left, about 20, 30 yards, there's an alligator sitting on a freaking log, and it just jumps in and hauls ass and T-bones him. And his, he's in a sitting kayak, and it flips over, but luckily he was able to grab the tree and upright himself. This thing literally assaulted him. It's the wow. craziest damn thing ever. You have to look for it on YouTube. That's it crazy. does happen from time to time. Uh, and we got I'm so many damn gators down here, you never know where they're at either. You no. you might be able to catch an eye or two here here every once in a while, but they can. How long is it that they can sit underwater for without having to breathe? An hour or more. Yeah. Something like that. I get nervous yeah. when I'm in a boat and I just see, for no reason, bubbles coming up. Yeah. <laughs> like there's wiser bubbles coming up. I'm moving. Yep. Yep. For sure. So yeah, that was a fun trip though, Mike. Uh, you know, I did realize once the UK got off the canoe, there was no weight at all. And when I tried to steer it one direction, I think it's, yeah, because my motor is on the right. If I tried to steer to the right, it would just, it, it would just go sideways because <laughs> it has no cut. So I'm now thinking of how can I engineer a rudder on the back? <laughs> yeah, but that, okay. For those of you who haven't seen this thing, which is not very many people, he came up with this design to take the center of the canoe, put a bunch of unistrut and uh, all thread together, put a seat in the middle, and then off of that put a bracket so that he could put a trolling motor on it. Now... Yeah, it's like an adult version of what he would have done with an erector set and a Native American toy <laughs> <in the> back <laughs> and put his G.I. Joe's on top. Hey, hey, I'm winning the science fair this year. Life-size version of that. I'm winning, winning the science fair, all right? Come on now. <laughs> see, the thing that you forgot is the fulcrum, the center of gravity. When you're trying to steer that thing, you're just going to sit there and spin in circles instead of trying to go straight and cut. That's why you got to have weight in the boat. He never claimed well, to be a hydro engineer. <laughs> yeah. He's a plumber. Mike he knows sh- everything sh- but he sh- fishing. He should know it. He should know anything. He's a plumber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've come out with some ideas. I'm either going to uh wait and put weight in the front when I'm by myself for sure or just sandbag. tag along. Yeah, sandbag, something like that. I just gotta put a little bit of weight in the front so that way it actually puts the nose of the boat down into the water to cut the water for me. Either that or add some, you know. I just have to force your wife to go over every time. That or, you know. A 45-pound plate. (laughs) I I have a couple of those, yeah. yeah. Put a to it so you can lift it out easy. That and the battery. I think think you have a good idea. The sandbag and the battery, bam, done. There's a good, you know, 70 pounds. Or a party ball. (laughs) (laughs) The more you drink, the less cra- the the more crappy your boat. Well, actually, it'll start going crappy because you're drinking all the beer. But then you'll be have a better buzz, so you can compensate for it. <laughs> <laughs> it equals out the end. That's a cri- equivalent. I know I drank too much when I can't steer the boat. So, <laughs> so we've got oh. some uh, some trips that are going to be coming up. Ron, you and I are going to be going on a saltwater trip, hopefully with some kind of luck and if the weather holds out maybe next weekend and then i have I know... a december first trip also for grouper and uh well mainly we're going out for grouper we're going to fill our ticket on grouper yeah you're, december 1st. you're doing the offshore thing that time mm-hmm. i gotcha what kind of rig do you fish when fishing with grouper because the one time stan and i went out 
shark fishing uh the captain had a pretty heavy duty setup and we i got a grouper on there and it broke my line i mean poof. so i mean what how big of a line are you fishing with when you intentionally fish for grouper it well it depends um i'll use i like using a little bit of a mono with a fight uh because i mean fluorocarbon is a little bit more or less bright uh, it holds up against scratches and stuff like that which is good but if i'm using mono i'm using a heavy gauge uh grouper fi uh, fish and fight kind of like a big like you said a big bass uh they like rock structures that's where they lay that's where they're gonna that's where they're pretty much living so you guarantee if you catch a grouper they're going to dive straight for those rocks mm -hmm. and that's usually what cuts you as the it, you snap a line and you it hits a rock wrong and then bam and the reason why i don't like using fluorocarbon uh, on that is because it has a very bad shock um, I'll forget the word of it, but pretty much if you have very extreme tension on the line and something just hits it abrasive, it's going to, it's going to snap really easy now versus just giving a tug or two and fighting. That's, that's all fine, but to have a consistent pressure of down straight towards the rocks, <laughs> use a heavy gauge mono. I like that stretch. Um, but yeah, uh, depends on what, what size we're fishing. If we're going for anywhere between like 15, 20 pound grouper, then I'm going to probably double the size of that, go up to close to 60 to almost 80-pound mono. Nice. For my leader. Yeah, and, and the if, stretch if not break. The stretch in the mono, it also helps when you're fighting a fish out in salt water. It just helps tire them out a little bit more. When they're trying to tug against something that has resistance, it's like you know using bands when you're working out or something like that. You, know, you need that resistance, and that, that helps fight them a little bit better. Um, especially when you're in real deep water. Oh my goodness. If you're in like, you know, hundred foot of water or something like that, you know, you want something to tire them out quick because you're getting tired so damn fast <laughs> from reeling and pulling and tugging. That's why I also like, uh, balloon fishing too. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this, Mike, but we would go out on, uh, the Tampa pier, uh, on causeway pretty much where the old bridge fell and they've turned that into like a fishing dock and we would float out lines with balloons and heavily fill them and, and it's nice because you can just leave the whole time you got a fish uh, for the most part you can leave it slack line that balloon as they're diving down especially grouper the deeper the dive the heavier that pull that balloon pulls onto the hook set, setting the hook even further eventually it's just going to pop under too much pressure and that's when you, your your line you're going to see more of us go from slack to like holy crap I'm, we're definitely on uh, but it, it's fun to balloon fish because of that, especially if you're fishing deeper waters. Let the balloon hook them. Yeah, it's 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 essentially it's just a big ass bobber, um, mm -hmm. you know. And that's when when we would use balloons or anything like that, we would go at at uh, night fishing for black tip or something. You know, balloon, throw your meat out there basically, cast it out. Just sit there with a spotlight and watch that balloon. As soon as it goes underwater or as soon as it pops, you're on. And hold on for the ride. So. And now another thing with uh, shark fishing I love to do, and uh, because I do a lot of, sh I, I feel safer pulling a shark close on shore 
than I do on a boat. <laughs> so I like fishing shark from ashore. Now it's it's difficult to get that. Usually you have to, I like either doing it by a bridge so someone could walk up the bridge and then drop my bait in the center of the water or you kayak out or do some other means or something like that to get it out there. Uh, but I'll also, like I have a pole in here rigged up for 300 pound plus and I have uh, those pyramid anchors, those you know, spearhead looking ones that just look like a pyramid upside down. Um, I use those at a very heavy weight and then I put a very small line on it. Um, that's going to be my like back about six feet. So my weight, my bait is just free floating and in about six feet, I'm going to have a, like a three foot line, um, maybe like 10 pound, you know, line uh, with that weight on it. Wait, so when the your, shark actually grabs your, your breakaway. Yeah, my breakaway weight, and then once the shark grabs it, because sharks are smart. Some sharks are smart. They'll know if they're carrying something behind them. They usually they'll let it go because they don't just chomp and, and swallow. They chew and then you know take chunks out, or they're going to chew it away and come back for it. Um, so that, that's the nice thing with that. I do that, and I usually do some pretty good luck. And around April, we all need to get together and go do that because that's shark season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I, I've only gone trip. shark fishing that one time, and that was because K-Rock was having their catfishing tournament, and Stan and I had no interest in fishing for catfish, and so we went out shark fishing while everybody else was <laughs> landing the, the dirty-ass dirty ass catfish. So now, they actually have a catfish tournament here? Yeah, they do. Well, I, I don't know if they did it last year, but K-Rock uh, K did it, did, does one every year. Um, actually, Beasley Broadcasting does. They originally started as a redfish tournament, but they realize it takes skill to catch redfish. <laughs> uh. Anybody with a boat can sign up for a catfishing tournament. And so basically the whole thing is, is um, you get a boat, you get a, um, a Lowe's or a Home Depot bucket, and basically it's whoever can fit the most weight worth of fish in that bucket by the end of the day wins the tournament. And then, uh, but yeah, that's how that works. But we had no interest. Obviously we weren't we were disqualified from possibly winning. So it's like, why would we go out and catch catfish if we weren't eligible to win? So we went out um, shark fishing and we actually caught a bunch of red snapper, which um, I ended up bringing home and making some fish tacos out of. So it was quite delectable. Very nice. You know, I was wondering because uh, catfish, I mean, shoot, I, ca I catch an awful lot of them just on the bank. So <laughs> I have not caught one since I started bass fishing. Last time we caught some, Carrie and I and her, her family, we went down to the, um, Matt Lachey Bridge, this is probably five years ago, because that's how long it's been. I've lived down here since 04, never gone fishing except for with Stan, and then like five years ago, we went out to the Matt Lachey Bridge with shrimp, and between four of us, we pulled like 27 catfish out that night, which we weren't intending to, to catch, and so Carrie and I just kind of like, well, you know, whatever, and then this summer, we started bass fishing, and the rest is history, but yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of catching catfish. I mean, I know there's people on TikTok and YouTube, that's their thing, but for me, it's like, no, I'm good, especially if you're not going to eat it. And obviously, you don't need a lot of the catfish that are down here. But uh, Yeah, I usually, if you're fishing bottom in the saltwater anywhere near our, us, you're just going to catch nothing but cats. Uh, I use um, I use these bobbers uh, with uh, little lead balls on them. I don't forget what they're called, um, popper bob bobbers or something like that. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I use them and I have, and when I was doing heavy saltwater, I, I would prefab a whole bunch at four feet, three feet, three and a half, two, you know, and just on down the line, depending on how deep I wanted to fish, I can just constantly change them out. And 
it, it was kind of perfect. But yeah, it's nice. Keeps you off the bottom. You're gonna you're gonna definitely catch a lot of cats doing that. So if you want cats to fish the bottom, it's the easiest way. They're bottom cleaners. And so if you put a hook with a shrimp on it or anything or hell just a can with garbage in it, you're gonna catch a catfish. <laughs> yeah, there's really no getting away from it. I know for the last five years, probably every time I've gone out saltwater fishing, I've always caught at least one, if not multiple catfish. And it gets frustrating because when you're trying to go out there and you're trying to catch redfish or snook or, you know, grouper or trout or whatever, and you're just landing catfish after catfish, it's like, shit, like, you just give me something good. <laughs> you just want to beat them and throw them away <laughs> the best time and the best actually luck all around that i've ever had on the boat was when i took you out to Ten Thousand islands mike yeah that was like by far the best we caught so much we caught we ran out of bait for snook wow. we were using the white super flukes we ran out of them wow how many bags did we get through uh, what's it how many bags did you get through oh we just i had just one Oh. We, I think we both had one. I think Mike and and we ran throughout the whole I, bag of that. I had, and we were still slamming. I had two DOAs, the uh, white pearl flukes. The grubs. No, yeah, I, the grubs. I had the grubs too, but I had two of the DOA flukes. And you were putting nail weights in yours. Oh yeah. And you were trying to get them to swim and and flip, you know, like a a uh, uh, a hurt bait fish or something like that, and. As soon as you were putting the nail weights in them and throwing them out there, I mean, it was like snook after snook after snook after snook. You know, we were sitting there on that island, and we were fishing from the beach. We weren't even on the boat. And I put a nail weight in mine, cast it out there, there's a snook. Did it again, wow. there's a snook. It was just left and right, so. On yeah, that was, presentation. Yeah, that was a good day, for sure. Yeah, then Jack, we caught Jack, Red Snapper, Redfish. Yeah. Uh, shoot, we caught so much that day. I wish we could replicate that. No, we didn't, and we only didn't catch one any red, catfish. We didn't catch any red snapper. We caught uh, mangrove snapper. Mangrove snapper. Yeah, there we yeah. go. So, hey, one guys, catfish. I, I appreciate you having me on. I got to go uh, bounce do my show. But can I give a um, a bait acquisition tip or a lure acquisition tip to your audience that I just kind of discovered? Absolutely. Go for it. So um, as you guys know, I like the Google and Revolver topwaters, but those things are hard to find. They're like $25 on Amazon. There's a whole group of cats who buy the uh, mystery tackle box and then they just parse them out and sell each component individually to make their money back. Uh, so look on eBay. Um, you can find a $25 Guggen bait on eBay for like $8. And so if you guys are new to the hobby and, and you're like me, you can't justify spending $25 on a lure, uh, don't get on Amazon, head over to eBay and just look around. You'll find these guys. And I know that's what they do because the one that I bought came in a mystery tackle box box that he just put some newspaper in and it was still in the original box. I mean, the, Guggen package so he didn't even fish with it he just buys gets the box in the mail pay what the ten dollars a month and then parse things out and sell them for 10 15 bucks and triple your money a month so if you guys are looking for uh cost effective baits that's the best place to buy it and uh, i appreciate you guys having me on i'll let you get back to your regular scheduled program of course all right man you thanks take care from coming on. on and uh we'll catch you next time thank you later see it what's up guys welcome back to episode your four Tackle your personal best so how's she going eh she's a blowing what are you doing 
checking my stocks. You know, got to keep on top of that. Crypto can be sold 24-7, son. Oh, my God. Well, a little bit of news in the bass fishing world. World. Uh, Bass angler Aaron Martins passed away. Um, He had brain cancer. He was fighting it for about 19 months, as I understand it. Uh, He was a three-time... Hang on. Uh, he was a three-time Angler of the Year, as well as won the U.S. Open three times. Uh, he was a an excellent angler in this community, and our thoughts and prayers go out to his fan, uh, family and friends. Oh, yeah. 49. What a young age. Yeah. yeah. Could be any one of us. But... Uh, not me because I'm impervious to everything. You're such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Well, I don't need to catch a fish. I've already caught one. Wow. <laughs> Done it before. Did get it, o- master. Get off my fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, this weekend, I actually this week in general, I've been fishing my pond. Like crazy, I've seen. And I know I, have, yeah, I know I have uh, turtles in there. I know I do. Yeah. Um, but I'm there's a couple of spots in the pond and some of the very 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 deep spots. Now this is the funny. It's not. It's not like they're staying. Like let's say hypothetically, you know, uh, I have ten foot water throughout the whole damn thing. You know, and they're not staying at five feet throughout the whole thing. What they're doing is they're going to a spot that is dipping off, let's say I said we're going to that 10-foot base level, and it drops another like 3 or 4, it goes to 15-foot or something like that. They're not at 15 feet. They're at 5 feet over that 15-foot hole and nowhere else, Yeah, which is weird, which is weird. So I'm like, but then again, I can't see them, so it could be freaking turtles congregating having their meeting. Uh, But... Who knows? But there's a couple of spots in my pond. I didn't get any bites. Um, I tried several things. Didn't stay out there too long. I was really trying, uh, trying to troubleshoot top, uh, top heavy Betty, a little bit more by myself, realizing that it's steering limitations and stuff. Um, so yeah, I didn't wasn't really really honing on fixing or uh, fishing too much, but it was something I was doing on the side. But yeah, I'm kind of curious on that. Kind of want to get back on the water and find these holes and see where the fish are lying. Somewhere maybe like Seven Lakes <clears throat> again. Like down in Seven Lakes? Down in Seven Lakes. Uh, well, mainly because Seven Lakes is a little clearer. Like you've seen my pond. It's it's dark. It's really dark. Is, your pond water is practically red. Mm, yeah, or brown. Mm. But no, it like, yeah, it, literally, it's the... like it's almost red. Like all the fish that come out of it are like brown. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've seen pictures of the snook that came out of it, and it, it, it's greenish, red. It's not silver anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Chris, uh, Seven Lakes to give you an idea of it. Um, it's it used to be an old quarry. Me, um, Mike, fish it quite quite a bit, but it's an old quarry that they turn into a state park, and it's, it used to be a limestone quarry. So, 
a, a large section of the pond has been filtered by not only the the ton of grass that is growing in that pond, but also the limestone. So it's it's crystal clear in some spots. You can see 20 feet down. Um, on a really bad day, murky, windy day, it pushes the dirt around a little bit, and you're still getting like 10 feet visibility. It, it's especially down this close to the Everglades is like one of the coolest places to be because of how it looks like a spring. It really does. I mean, you can, it's crystal clear. You can see all the way down practically to the bottom. I remember at the tail end of last year's season when we were up there with Billy, um, I mean, how big do you think that fish was that I caught? Like two and a half? Yeah, two and a half inches. Wow. Two and a half pounds, Dingus. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, probably. I'd say it was at least two and a half pounds or something like that. Um, but it was it was interesting just to just watch watch him swimming around, you know, just from right there. Like you didn't even have to have polarized sunglasses on; you could just see it, and that's that's wild to me. Like when you're in that clear of water, it's just amazing. It's nice, and, you know. It's it's really neat to fish there, even though it's really hard to fish because it's really a, <clears throat> a high pressured. When we say pressured. Um, it's not the weather, it's not anything like when you hear, like maybe if you're watching YouTube and you're hearing, oh, especially in these high pressure environments or something like that, like COVID, you know, COVID made a lot of fisher, uh, fishermen out of COVID, you know, from COVID people were going out doing activities they weren't normally able to do. So this, this past year, a lot of your fishing holes were highly pressured and I mean, people have been fishing them constantly and, you know, and I think in several of our videos, find, we said, find the spot that is hard to get to that not a lot of people would go to and that's where they're hiding <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know and take seven lakes for that example um picture seven football fields and they're larger than football fields but imagine seven football fields laid out in different areas and you can walk around the entire edges but there's no way you're going to be able to fish the center of that push football field you know or the fishing pond, uh, lake there because of how wide and long it is you can't i mean unless you have some freakishly good casting skills i mean <laughs> you're not fishing out there um but it is neat and the reason why i do keep going out there is for some luck even in a high pressured area because you can it's so clear you can see these holes these pockets the grass um you'll know if you're fishing bottom or rock or if you're going to be cast into a deep hole or anything like that, which mm -hmm. is kind of nice to practice some of the skills that you, you know, we learn as fishermen um, or some of the things you hear like, Oh, it's this weather they're diving deep or it's this weather they're in the grass or this weather, you know, it, it's kind of neat to go out there and see that. Um, but it goes back to me saying pressured, uh, you know, yeah, you can have all these skills in the world, but you know, if, if the fish is seeing the bait, a hundred times and they know that's going to get get them caught they're not going to go for it they're going to be a little bit more selective and you know picky and when i've also said that fish are dumb but smart at the same time yeah you can catch a bass and 10 minutes later it forgot it's been caught but it is smart enough to know over trial and error that this bait doesn't look right you know it's still going to find its home if you catch a fish on one side of the lake and drive to the other and release it. It's going to find its way back. 
uh, you know, so they are dumb and smart at the same time. So you're going to either have to get really lucky on that reaction bite or or make your baits like that nail weight we were talking about on uh, about catching snook. Once I put that nail weight in and made it like nosedive to make it look like an injured bait fish, it, that's when they started picking them up, you know, and and I mean, we didn't even have to wait long. As soon as it hit the water, bam, snook, bam, snook. Yeah. And and I've been in, I've been fishing bass where it's the same thing. I make one little tweak with my line or my bait, and then I'm hitting them left and right, you know. So uh, the, the difficult thing is, is uh, with freshwater, it's always changing. With snook or saltwater, I mean, yeah, you can say the season are changing, but the fish don't thrive on their environment as much as they do in saltwater. So, or freshwater, you know, I mean, vice versa. So going on fishing out saltwater, you know, if you find that one thing that works, it's going to pretty much work year round. Where bass fishing, what's working one time in two, three months is not going to work as well because of the season change. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, you know, things are constantly changing you know, as far as the environments and, you know, I mean, the bait's pretty much the same. I mean, you know, going, going back on that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's why I enjoy, I mean, enjoy freshwater fishing so much because it is changing. And you said the baits practically say this remain the same and you're right. They do. And when it comes to looks, they're, well, well, they do for me, you know, they, the fish, the fish practically see the, see the same, physical baits all the time you know i mean you can throw all different kinds of artificials and they'll pretty much nip at just about anything but what i mean is for for me personally is is when i go out i fish with practically the same thing every time you know i'm a finesse guy i i throw mostly bottom stuff and that's the water column that i stick with it's the presentation, whether it's a slow fall or it's a quick fall, or if I want it weighted, weightless, whatever the case may be, you know, that's what changes for me. Mm. And a lot of times that's all that you really need is it, the, it, when I go into pre, talk about presentation, that's really all you're really trying to do, depending on what year it is. I mean, you can go out there and just fish one way if you like worms. And we said that in a video, find something and watch a video on, find out how you tie a certain knot or you rig a certain worm or something like that, it's very easy to be like me and just dive in and, and buy everything, everything you possibly could need. You know, oh, I'm going to fish this way. And you know what? To be honest with you, I don't use 90% of my tackle box when I go out. Um, but when, I'm not, when, <laughs> when, when nothing's biting, like the time we went out in Okeechobee, I went through the freaking tackle box and nothing was freaking biting. So... <laughs> So, okay, like, you, you know, want to, you want to talk about Okeechobee? Nothing was biting at all that entire weekend. The entire day that we were out, no bites, literally no nibbles. We were gonna, we were gonna do some filming. Potentially, we were gonna do a podcast out there. You might as well have forgotten it because my dad caught one fish. It wasn't even a bass. I forget what it. What the hell was it? Gar. It was a gar. He caught a gar. On the end of the trip. On the, yeah. We were about the, to head back in. At the very <laughs> end, he, he catches a gar on the, uh, at the end of the day. And then the next, what was it, the next morning we went out, we went over to the bar over where the, uh, the 
docks were and we were trying to you know that that last you know what is the last stand basically we went yeah. out there we were trying to catch something i mean we were out there in the you know the the water runoff area over by the hotel we were out there by the bar trying to catch something i was lucky enough to just get a nibble even though i didn't get a hook set on it you know he jumped well, out of the water him, and he wiggled was off he wiggled off i i would say if anything you had a hook but wiggle and wiggled off jumped out and got i got strikes I had a couple of strikes right at, and that's when you were like, okay, let me fish this right where you're fishing it. And that's when you got that fucking bite. Oh, that is not true. And you know it. It is totally true. I was throwing freaking (laughs) frogs like crazy. I am talking, I went through every, almost, well, I still, you know what, I would honestly need like a day or two to go through my entire tackle box. So, So I went through, how much do you think I really went through my tackle box? That day? Yeah, I'd say the at different least, shit I was trying. I I'd say at least sixty percent of it. Yeah, it was a lot. I threw. I tried different rigs, and a lot of these are probably gonna go over your head. But like Nico, that that I was like, all right, let me try a Nico because shaky head ain't working. So let me try wacky rig ain't working. Let me try a Nico. <laughs> like, all right, you don't hear those that rig very often. Oh, uh, I did the Mojo rig. I no one heard that one very often it's like i went through so many freaking rigs and styles and about the only thing i didn't do was drop shot nothing worked nothing well, and we're not well you didn't even have any drop shot rigs rigged did you no i i didn't because they're they're a pain in the butt the, I, I had everything <clears> rigged <throat> up so when i when i go out fishing i do bring overkill and and it's a little bit of it is like that prepper mentality i need to have make sure i have a little bit of everything just in case because examples like the okeechobee you know at least i could try i could say i went through everything and it just it was just a bad day it wasn't that i was lacking something well it's it's one thing to have you know okay i've got i've got crankbaits i've got frogs i've got you know i've got top water i've got middle column i've got bottom whatever the case may be you have all of that and then every fucking color that it comes in <laughs> you know at least i can go out there and i can say okay well i try to crankbait all right it's in sexy shad you know whatever it doesn't have to be in any other color at least i tried a crankbait and they didn't want it so i tried something else you'll try eight different colors of the same bait before <laughs> you even give up on that bait and move on to the next one so well and you know i've gone to plenty of fisheries where example is cape coral now i i go to ave maria down by my house and it has some ponds and stuff in there and i'm killing it on that blue and watermelon green worm that mix that one and i love so much and around here it works fantastic um i go to cape coral it's like it might as well never exist they're not biting it you know so there's so many variables so and you know and that's why i will try multiple different colors because we say match match the hatch match the color stay with the color of your water so if we were on crystal clear water or crystal lake oh damn what am i talking about seven lakes my bad because there is a crystal lake in cape coral but uh it's not crystal clear (laughs) no it's not it's Um, very nasty (laughs) very nasty um but anyways uh, I'm over at Seven Lakes, and the stuff that you would want to use <laughs> over there, it, it, okay, 
I go back to that snook that I caught in my pond that you said is very red. Wait a minute. The wait a minute. Wait a minute. Still... For back that up because you didn't catch that snook. Your buddy caught oh, that snook. <laughs> okay. Did I, if I said that, I correct myself. I'm just rolling with the sentence. But anyways, the snook that was caught. <laughs> if you've never caught a snook, the snook has a very distinct, like, pointy mouth to it. It, it jets down from its eyes down to its mouth, uh, very sharp, and it's silver with a black line on it. The snook that was caught in mine had a green back, black line, silver belly. And it's so tainted by the color of the water that it's living in. It's been living in there for the majority of its life in order to get that color. It's not like someone caught a 30-inch snook, dropped it in, it grew four more inches, and bam, it's green. No, it had to be put in at like maybe, maybe a foot or under and then grew to that size, feeding off the animal and the water and the, t the TDS, which is total dissolved solids in the water. So... And that's like leaves, that's sticks, everything. That's what TDS, and that's what makes the color of your water. Um, you go to Crystal Lake, it's crystal clear. Now the fish that are going to be, if that same snook grew up in there, it would look like a saltwater snook. It would look s silver, black line, silver, bam. Um, well, not, not necessarily, because if you go into brackish water, they have a little bit more of that brown tint to them. But when you actually go out into saltwater, like regular salt water, they've got that silver, you know, because well, they're, they're actually related. They're actually related to the tarpon. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Your color of your fish are based off the color of the water that they grow in. Mm -hmm. So you could have a, a goldfish, and if it gives birth to other goldfish, they're going to be gold to start off with. Yeah. And as they grow, they're going to morph into different colors. Uh, based off of the water they're in and that's why it's kind of it's always kind of smart to stick with the color of your water when you're fishing certain baits so like we use a lot of soft uh, soft plastic so to go back on to what we were talking about how i use all eight different colors and why k coral one worm or it wasn't working versus it was over here is because of the water color and the bait that they're used to seeing so i will go through different colors trying to figure out what color is hitting in that area and yeah, I will flip. I will flip twelve or eight different worms. The same worm, same exact worm, same as zoom worm, trick worm, but it's going to be seven different colors. You know, my prime colors that I go through and I flip through. See, I <clears throat> I do that with my soft plastic, but I typically won't do that. You know, because I don't want to spend a whole bunch of money when it comes to topwater baits or anything like that. I mean. You know, let's face it, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight dollars a freaking for one bait, you know, is still ridiculous. I mean, I know Don was talking about, you know, you can get a $25 bait for eight bucks on, I think, eBay or something like that. You know, that's a that's a really good deal if you want that bait specifically. But I don't want to spend that kind of money on top water stuff. Well, that's why I'm always buying this shit that you saw earlier this week that I bought just recently bought these bullet weights that are actually cork and they float or styrofoam. I thought they were they some kind of a plastic or something. They're, they're a styrofoam. They're a styrofoam weight pretty much uh, weight shaped. Now, um, you know, like why would you want a, a styrofoam bullet weight? What purpose can you possibly have with that? That's Mike's like thought in his head. Why waste the money on it? 
<laughs> all right. All right. For the guy that tries everything and does not want to spend $25 on a freaking new pop, top water popping bait. All right. I can take that floating weight, put it on a Carolina rig, which to break down a Carolina rig is a weight then a swivel on your line. So the weight goes on first, then you tie on a swivel. And then below that swivel is a smaller line, a thinner line, however long you want it with your hook on it. So the weight is way above your hook, and it sinks first while your, let's say, two foot of leader line is floating in the water column. Just It could be floating. Now, you can take that floating, uh, floating bullet weight and put it above your, uh, right in front of your hook, right before you tie the hook, and your weight may be two feet in front of it, that's going to sink it down to the bottom, but then that weight, that float, will float your worm or whatever you may be up about two feet because your weight's holding it down. So it's going to keep it up off the bottom. Now, that would be a great idea to keep yourself from catching catfish, uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't, I do own a lot of hard plastics or, you know, hard baits and stuff like that, but I own a ton more soft plastic. And now, Mike, you were leaning in I, like you're about to say something. I can, I can agree with that. Um, yeah. You definitely, you have a large arsenal, but I mean, I think, and this is just me personally, I think that the soft plastics work a heck more. of a lot better than hard baits do. I've caught more oh, and fish on soft plastics than I have on hard baits. I prefer it. Now, so if I'm not going to buy all these topwater poppers or middle column or stuff like that, you can do the same thing with soft plastic. Mm -hmm. Now, Z-Man makes uh, their Elastec, and Elastec does float. All right, so they're all their brands, all of Z-Man brands have some level of flotation to them, some, you know, um, so, but if you're not going to go out and spend Z-Man and you want to do, you know, a cheaper bait like Yum or Zoom or something like that, you can go ahead and buy that. And, well, how do I make a topwater bait uh, with a hard plastic that sinks? Those corks. Those cork floating bullet weights. Hang on. Say you that know? again. You want to make a topwater bait with a hard plastic? Soft plastic. Those so Zoom worms are... So you want to make a topwater bait with a soft plastic? Yes. Okay. And I can do that. Now, that bullet weight, if you face it the correct way, is made to cut through water. Now, if yeah. you flip it around where the back end, the bell, the, the bell portion of it, the open bell portion of it. Now you've got a small popper. I got a small popper that floats. I can put a worm on it and pop it off the top of the water. That's not a freaking $20 weight. I spent $4 on a pack of 20 worms and $1.50 on the flo floating remain. Let's even just, let's just crank it up and double that. $3 for the freaking floating cor uh, cork uh, uh, weights. And I got like five in a bag and 20 of the worms. All right. And shoot, I just I just spent less than ten dollars there and have a multiple top water setups. True. True. So you don't have to go out and spend all this money. Now I have all this unnecessary shit, Mike says, but there's things that I can do with them that I don't have to go out and spend twenty five dollars for. Oh, calm down, Mister Engineer. <laughs> Right. You've seen Top Heavy Betty, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. But that is a good tip right there. So 
uh, with a floating, floating, can't talk, floating weight, a floating weight. You wouldn't think you could do much with it, but now I've just gave you two examples how I can fish bottom, two feet off a of bottom. I can fish top water. Hell, I can even put on. I can do multiple things with that. Actually, I can fish a mojo see, rig see, with a lighter one. For those of you that are watching and listening, he just came up with about five other ways to make that work in his head while he was talking about the other ways that he just figured out how to make work. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's a, that would work right there. That, oh, that, what if you do this? <laughs> oh my goodness! I, you know, and the, you know, this, this is why I enjoy doing the show with Mike because we are obviously, if you haven't picked it up yet, two opposite people when it comes to fishing, yeah. and and to have the multiple perspectives, I, I think I enjoy it. And there's a lot of times that I'm like, you know, not that I'm a know-it-all, but that you know, sometimes you'll come to me like. What are you trying? What are you doing? <laughs> I'll tell you. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. You'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't have that. <laughs> I don't do this. <laughs> oh, I'm taking a piece of wire and I'm shoving it up my bait's ass so that I can make it do this crazy loop-de-loop while it's in the water. Yeah, okay. Whatever you say, Ron. Let me write that down on my notepad, okay? Well, uh... <laughs> I'm definitely the techie guy. I am, I'm always researching stuff. I love it. And, you know, even on a bad day fishing, I think now that I have a kid, uh, it, it, it's good to be out. It's good to be out. So regardless of if I'm catching fish or not, uh, there's many things that I enjoy. May, you know, may have, I, I may have heard this new rig. And for you guys that are fish, starting fishing and getting out there and you might find yourself like me, um, you know, it's fun to start new stuff and i and i did exactly what the same advice i i would give to you i just evolved a little faster i bought one thing started fishing with worms texas rig bullet weight that was it bass water uh, bass fishing that's all i did for a while and then i toyed around <laughs> with the worms and then as i started getting liking this more and more and more I started dumping money into it and it was just like 20, 20, 50 bucks a paycheck, you know, somewhere around there. And now fast forward a year or two uh, of me really getting serious into it. Yeah. I've accumulated a shit ton. You think about it, what 52 pay periods in a, in a year. Yeah. I've, I've dumped about $50 per, or per pay period. So, <laughs> so I've, I've accumulated a shit ton. Uh, but there is a lot of things that I can do with that. And I enjoy uh, going out there and just trying a different rig, seeing how this weight of this weight on this bait will react, how fast is it sinking, if I use a bullet weight on it, or, or, or if I use a egg weight or a, uh, a nail weight, you know, what is it going to react? How could I put my hooks? How can I rig a fluke to do different things? Um, I think the most creative thing that I, you know, I have seen among beside mine was the one that your dad did, the, the fucking flukes. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> he's going to watch this and he's going to he start that. cracking up after that. <laughs> I don't even know how he did that. I'm thinking back, I'm like, how did he rig two flukes to do that? <laughs> and I think but he rigged were... them upside down and they look like they're fucking in the water. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You know why he did that? And I was thinking about that. Because he's like, 
I'm not used to all this cast and reel and all these different things. I see you tying on shit that I'm wondering <laughs> why a fish would even bite it. <laughs> I was like, but it works. Apparently not that day, but it works. <laughs> so you know, he I came bet, up, he showed us that fucking fluke picture, and that was funny. I bet if you threw that somewhere, you get something to bite on it. Mm-hmm. I bet. Oh, I know it would, and that's I wasn't even joking with him when I said that actually might catch something. Yeah. They make umbrella rigs. And an umbrella rig is kind of what you see in your head, an umbrella, and a whole bunch of string lines coming off of it, wire lines that hold eight, nine different baits. Yeah, a uh, an Alabama rig. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's the same premise. He could have caught something off of that, and I bet you two fish. <laughs> I mean, it, it made it look like a couple of schooling fish. You know why they have underspins on hooks? Why? So, an underspin on a hook is a wire that has a, a, a spoon on it. That, a spoon, a willow spoon, Colorado spoon, Indiana spoon. It doesn't matter. But it has like a metal reflector on it. It's yeah. to give the image that multiple bait fish are running at the same time. That makes sense, yeah. So, when you're running a, a hook with a underspin or overspin or even your top water spinners and stuff like that, it gives the look that two or three of those bait fish are running <clears throat> when you, and I was saying how big bass are in during the winter or, you know, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to sound like a hypocrite when you say, Oh, they're diving deep, but they're also at the shallow. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, where the hell should I fish then? It's everywhere. <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah. Uh, it, it's your smaller fish and, and sometimes your bigger fish are right. It, it depends on where the, where it's comfortable for that fish. Um, but a lot of your big fish there and coming into this winter are going to be lethargic. It's cold. They're cold-blooded. Yeah. So they're freezing right now. They're not going to waste their energy on something that is just one bait fish. They're going to waste their energy on getting five of those bait fish, and they're going to corral them into an ambush point, and then the bam. And that's where you're. That's where you're going to see right now that the the spawn has just happened so not for the bass but for the bluegill tilapia mayans they're all been as shad they're all hatching and that's when you got all these small fish right now a ton of bait fish are running right now so throwing flukes throwing those uh, uh small profile fish and if you and you can get lucky and that's why you, you'll see in a lot of videos in november october and even leading to december is like heaven for the topwater spinners or yeah. spinners in general because it, it gives the the vision of multiple fish running and it's going to probably pull that end noise and everything else but it's going to probably pull that one lethargic fish away from its little cozy spot where it's nice and warm, cuddled up on its lazy boy with blankets on to go after its food. <laughs> so, it, you know, you throw one thing after it is not. And, you know, and that's why I said earlier in the video, you're going to see me start fishing my 10-inch worms, man. You know, I'm going to fish those long worms. Nico rig, uh, freaking shaky head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them down on the bottom, man. And I'm just going to shake those suckers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that big fish is going to come and get it. Yeah, and you know the difference is, is no little fish is going to be able to bite it. That's how big of a worm I'm going to put on that sucker. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I have 11-inch I have, uh, flukes that I can't – I've been dying to wait for this year, this winter. 11-inch fluke. 
I can't wait to go out to Okeechobee and try to pull up one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eleven inch fluke. You know, imagine how big of a bass that has to finish that. That's eight pounds or more. Uh a six pounder. You could, could probably get a five or six pounder to hit something like that. Maybe. I think you're Maybe. I think you're wishful thinking. <laughs> that, dude, once they reach about once they reach over about I want to say three pounds or more, around about that three, four pound mark, they're able to eat a fish that's close to a foot. Yeah, I could believe that. So you gotta think if a fish can get up to its three pound four pound mark it is now king of the water well i think that's about wraps it up for episode four thank you guys for tuning in listening watching whatever you're doing uh special thank you to d train and the digital 410 network for producing our show for us um you can find us out on all of our socials and things like that. I actually changed <clears throat> our Instagram social to at tackle your personal best. It is no longer at PB Bates. Um, go check us out on Facebook. You know, we have a group on there called tackle your personal best, you know, request to join whatever you want to do. Um, check us out. We've got all kinds of stuff that goes on uh, in that group page. We do post Instagram every once in a while. Um, if we catch any decent fish or anything like that, but, uh, lately they've been real, real tiny little guys. So, but, uh, mm -hmm. thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, we will see you on the next one. And please. Yeah, definitely. We're just starting off. You know, if you guys want more content, you have ideas, what you would like to see, not meaning that we know everything. Uh, I don't know shit, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you, you guys are our inspiration. So if you guys want to hear something, see something, uh, you know, definitely send us a message, write us up. Uh, we're, we're small enough to where we can still read everyone's emails. I think we get one. <laughs> we <laughs> one barely <message>. get one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it gives us ideas. Uh, it gives us motivation, it, it, you know, to have people that like us and want to listen to us, but not just ramble off on just dumb stuff. I think that's kind of inspirational for me.